Hello and welcome to the Culture Swally, a podcast dedicated to Scottish news and pop culture. My name is Nicky and as always, I'm joined by Greg. How are you today, Greg? Very well. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, just in a, a COVID bubble at the moment. My my wife has uh, just found out that someone she was in contact with last week has tested positive for COVID. So that's all fun and games. We both feel completely fine, but she's going to go and get a test just to be on the safe side. Yeah, I think you... I remember you said to me before that you thought that you both had it like early last year when it was all just starting to kick off, right? Yeah, I mean, that was last February, yeah. um, around about then. But I think, does it not only last for about six or nine months or something, if you've had it? Is it not possible to get it again? I think it wears off or something. I don't know. I mean, I think they're a bit kind of split on it, I think, right? Because at the moment, they don't know if the vaccine is going to have to be like the flu vaccine. And then, you know, where you would get it every year if you were somebody who was particularly at risk of becoming, like, dying of the flu. If you're old or whatever, so, so I don't know. I mean, I'm like you. I think that my wife and I both had it early last year before it really kind of went massive. We were trendsetters. Exactly. We're always ahead. People followed the trend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I was the only person in my class who who already had a blood album before Park Life came out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure we'll be fine. I feel totally fine, so all good. Although it's that kind of thing. You find out the news about that, and then you think. You wake up the next morning and you're like, yeah. my throat a bit sore. <laughs> I know. And then it passes after 20 minutes and you're like, ah, no, I was probably just thirsty and <laughs> yeah. breathing in dry air during yeah. the night or something. Yeah. So I'll be fine. <laughs> anyway. Oh, well, fantastic. Everything good with you? Yes, everything's fine. Uh, yep. School holidays here starting um, tomorrow. Uh, so like the Easter holidays or end of term two holidays as they call them here because nobody no one wants to acknowledge jesus so i don't have to uh get up in the morning well i do i have to get up in the morning to go to work but i don't have to get up and like wrangle two pre-teens into their school uniforms and and in the back of my wife's car and all that kind of thing i can just sort myself out which is always quite nice fantastic okay well shall we have a look at what's been happening in scotland this week then absolutely cue the jingle This is the Outer Hebrides Broadcasting Corporation, and here is what's been going on in the news. Okay, so have you seen anything from back home that has tickled your fancy this week? I have. I've got a few things, uh, including some um, exciting Iron Brew news. But before I get onto that, I like this one because it concerns... Well, I was going to say I like this one because it concerns a 12-year-old girl. Maybe I'll rephrase that. I like this one because I have a daughter who is the same age as the girl in the story. This is the headline reads, Brave Scott Schoolgirl Unleashes Taekwondo Skills on Would-Be Attacker. So this is, they haven't named the wee girl, obviously, because she's only 12. But um, she was walking home through Stuart Field in East Kilbride when um, this guy, I mean, I've got to laugh at the paper. The youngster, who we've chosen not to name, pretty sure that legally you're not allowed to. Yeah, (laughs) we've chosen not to. We've chosen fuck all. The youngster is said to have kicked the man on the shin and elbowed him on the side of the head after he grabbed her by the arm. So she's only twelve years old. She's been going to taekwondo for a couple of 
since she was quite little. Yeah, I've got a 12-year-old daughter. I'm not sure she would fare so well in this sort of situation. I think you think so. She's quite tall. But yeah, <laughs> this is the wee girl, uh, she managed to kick the guy in the shin and elbowed him in the side of the head after he grabbed her by the, by the arm. She was walking home on uh, Friday evening last week. Yeah, apparently this guy's been... This, they get this sort of guy, they think it's the same guy. There's been a few... Um, sightings of them sort of hanging around in areas where there's kids and things so the police are looking for them but yeah I've got a lot of time for that I've got a lot of time for would-be nonces getting like a shooing off uh, 12 year old girls yeah that's fantastic yeah that's that's what you want to hear uh that's brilliant yeah I mean, it's not brilliant that she was nearly attacked, but it's it's brilliant that she was able so to fight him defend him off, off yeah. like that. I remember when I was a wee boy and I lived in Colsaith, there was a couple of girls who lived a few doors from us called uh, Heather and Nicola. And Nicola went to karate. And apparently, like, I've heard this anecdotally, because after we moved away, my dad stayed in touch with her dad. And uh, the same thing happened to her when she was walking home from Colsaith Primary. But apparently she... She hit this guy so hard that the police had no problem in finding him later because apparently his eye was purple. She would have been older than 12 at the time. I think she was about 15 or maybe 16. Uh, but yeah, apparently she uh, she gave the guy right fucking doing. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Yeah, that's what you need. Yeah. Vigilante kids fighting off would-be attackers. Absolutely. But the police do say that, you know, it is, worth, it is worth a reminder to the kids about being aware and what to do if this happens. Obviously, this young girl was only 12. She said Certainly very grateful of the skills that she's learned in Taekwondo, which undoubtedly helped her, but uh, the police are asking kids in the area just to be aware. If you live in East Kilbride and you have 12-year-old daughters, then just get them to keep an eye out. So yeah, that's my first story. What have you found in the in the news this week? Um, I've got a couple of stories, but first of all, I just want to give a, a quick shout out to Scott Tory Chief Douglas Ross, who was doing a, a Facebook Live um, this week and obviously answering questions to, to people on the live link. And unfortunately, he was duped by someone who had asked a, a question and he did read out the name <laughs> and he, um, he addressed the person and didn't even notice the name. So he answered the question for a Mr. Mike Oxmells. <laughs> and he <laughs> so he did say, so Mike Oxmells, stop ignoring the tough questions. I'm really not. <laughs> it's a good bit of harmless banter. Yeah. I don't think I've ever noticed Mike Oxmells before. <laughs> like, I know, obviously, Mike Hunt yeah. and stuff, but... <laughs> I just thought Mike Oxmills was brilliant. <laughs> you did just say there, though, I don't think I've ever noticed Mike Oxmills before. Yeah. Well, I don't know, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, my, uh, my first main story this week is concerns a woman from Glasgow, a, a raging Scotswoman, who took revenge on a scammer who used her cash to enjoy a takeaway nearly 300 miles away. Emma Crombie from Glasgow was stunned to wake up on Thursday morning and find that her Uber Eats account had been hacked and somebody in Birmingham had ordered a 40 quid KFC feast and it had the address in the app so she knows where this person lives. She got in touch with Uber Eats to say that the uh, the account had been hacked. They refunded her the money straight away, apologised and said, you know, really sorry, these things can happen, but really sorry. Mm -hmm. So Emma wasn't satisfied at this and wanted to get some revenge because she had this person's address. So she sent a parcel, special delivery, uh, containing a big box of dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 
Inside the box, she put a note um, uh, that said, I hope you enjoyed the Uber Eats I treated you to. Uh, so she took <laughs> to social media to share her plot and said, okay, so after this scumbag stole my card details from Uber Eats and treated themselves to a feast, this is their karma. Dog shit in a box. <laughs> yes, it's disgusting. And yes, it cost me £14 special next day delivery. <laughs> Imagine getting woke up at 9.01am on a Saturday morning to sign for a jobby. <laughs> She, she told the record that she hoped that others would make sure they had not been scammed and she said it was Uber Eats app got hacked. I mean, they gave her the money back and then she's had to pay 14 quid special delivery to get this delivered. There's been no follow-up as to what happened, uh, but she did say, like, I, I know karma works in mysterious ways, but it was worth a giggle. <laughs> so, I hope the the scammer enjoyed their KFC and then, yeah, getting woke up a special delivery. Oh, what's this? Have you ordered something? No, I haven't ordered anything and you open up and it's full of dog shit to be fair there must be something against that in terms of sending dog shit in the post surely that's against the law <laughs> in some way because as we know from train spotting episode toxoplasmosis from cat shit yeah yeah dog shit uh, you know, can send kids blind, can well, it? Probably. So, <laughs> technically, I don't think she should have done that, but never mind. It's a nice little giggle and it's a nice bit of revenge. you got to think, right, that a box of dog shit in transit is going to smell unless she's taken, like, precautions to make it, like, super, like, airtight, the packaging. But in which case, then, right, she's either gone out and collected a load of dog shit and taken it home to put in the package mm. or she's collected the dog shit on the way to the post office and then you know found a found a, a, a little quiet corner to kind of see their box up and stuff before she sends before she sent it off but there is a, a a photo of it and it is a it's a shoe box right it's a feeler shoe box but inside she's put a, a capri sun box so, you know, if you buy like a multi-pack yeah. of like six or ten Capri Suns. Mm-hmm. So that's been opened and then filled with dog shit <laughs> and then closed. So someone's maybe thought, oh, someone sent me Capri Sun. <laughs> They've got in, put their hand in to get a pouch of their favourite fruity drink and come out with a, a hand covered in shite. <laughs> I, I don't know. It doesn't say... I don't even know if she's got a dog. Because uh, I, I have no problem picking up my dog's poo. Yeah. But I wouldn't pick up... Other dogs. Another dog's poo. I know. I just... Oh, that is something disgusting about that. But, hey, fair play. She's She's gone above and beyond and... <laughs> collected shite. I've just got an image of her out in the out in the park with like a torch and a, like a wee shovel <laughs> and a box muttering away at herself. Yeah. When I was a kid there was dog shit everywhere. In these days you can't find any. <laughs> Never mind. So that would have been a nice special delivery from the colonel for the recipient of that. Anyway. Uh, what else have you seen this week? <laughs> Sorry. Just imagine. <laughs> what's, in, what's in the packet? Yeah, it looks like a box of Capri Sun. Did you enter a competition or something like that? <laughs> Don't think so. Um, well, my next story has got a similar scatological theme. There's actually a wee... Oh, fantastic. There's actually, in the article, there's a wee reference to uh, to your lady's story. So there is, uh, I think, the, the son just trying to sort of stretch out the story a wee bit. But the headline, the headline, the headline reads, Poo done it. Scotch drivers <laughs> warned to watch out for skid marks after massive accident... <laughs> 
as poo-stained <laughs> pants stuck to road sign. So, yeah, so this is, um, you know, the blue parking sign with the white P for a lay-by. Mm-hmm. Stuck to a sign at the side of the road near Berwick. There is a, there's a photograph which uh, I'll put on the Instagram page <laughs> for people who are interested in seeing it. And it's like a pair of Y-fronts. It's like a big, a big pair of white, white... They're sort of reminiscent of the ones that... Remember um, the ones that Rick Mayo would wear on bottom? Because like, Rick Mayo yes. was always taking his trousers off, right? So like, that, that's yeah. that sort of style of Y-front. The huge brown mark was smeared across the white knickers, which had then been chucked at a, at a sign for a parking area. A picture of the full site was posted to the Fife Jammer Locations Facebook page. They joked, there's been a massive accident on the A92 between Cowden and Dunfermline. Watch for skid marks. But then they later clarified, this isn't on the A92 for those that might be a way to look. <laughs> it's down by Berwick. <laughs> Punters couldn't believe what they were seeing, and the post had a massive reaction. Samantha Webster said, OMFG, I'm creased. I can't stop laughing. Nearly pissed my own knickers. Leslie Penman joked, that's a bit of a shit sign. Mm, bit obvious, that Leslie. Maxine Stewart tagged a pal and said, I would have washed them for you, babe. You didn't have to fly shit tip. Well, he said, Took a wee bit of uh, a wee bit of time, and then David Milne finished off with uh, someone needs to work on their follow through. But I don't know if that's true because like they're like perfectly in the middle of this sign. <laughs> you know that these they haven't just been sort of like thrown offhand. Mm. You know they, they've been it's been sort of erected on the sign. <laughs> you'll you'll see what I mean when you see the picture. So these pants have been placed. They haven't just been flung out of a passing transit van. Yeah. They've, they look like they've been placed carefully on the sign. Yeah, exactly. Optimum position. The sun then go down a bit of a sort of uh, poo rabbit hole. Um, they mention your lady Emma, who sent the box of shit to the uh, Uber Eats scammer. And then they mess- They mention, apparently, they, I didn't click on the link, but apparently they shared a hilarious uh, TikTok video last week that some woman took of her cheeky toddler son asking her if he wanted to smell the shit that he'd just done in his potty <laughs> which apparently got it got 1.5 million views because people fell in love with his accent um, but yeah I'll, um, I'll post that picture of the <laughs> of the Berwick um, soiled wife runs on the Instagram page later on today so yeah any more poo stories <laughs> no I don't have any more poo stories unfortunately um, I, I've got a story obviously it's sad news that there's quite a lot of shops closing down there was the news this week that John Lewis in Aberdeen is going to be closing mm-hmm. And, of course, Debenhams has closed down. But thankfully, some members of staff from Debenhams have found a new role. So, old mannequins from Aberdeen's former Debenhams department store have been given a new lease of life as police officers (laughs) on D-side roads. (laughs) The seven dummies from uh, Debenhams Trinity Centre store have been saved and dressed up in police uniforms with high-vis jackets and placed around a boy in Upper Deeside and Donside <laughs> to encourage motorists to slow down when driving through the communities. Right. And there's a number of photos, and to be fair, they do look pretty realistic, you know, from a distance. Yeah. It, it's just these dummies wearing high-vis jackets. Obviously, they're wearing police trousers as well. You're not naked from the waist down, because you probably would then wonder. So, yeah, they've been distributed around the communities. So, one of the fake bobbies has been nicknamed Bob by local school children, And... It's uh, it's hoped that it will make the crossing the road safer for the youngsters, and apparently all the kids love it, and they're going and hanging out with Bob, <laughs> and yeah, 
so at least those kids are going to be safe. But I just thought it was a nice little story in terms of that these mannequins are being used for something. Yep. And as I say, it's it's quite sneaky from them to have them there, because of course, if you are driving down the road and you see a high-vis jacket up front, you would slow down, thinking it's a, a bobby with a radar. But no, it's just a mannequin. But not like the one from the 1980s film. It's not Kim Cattrall. <laughs> it's not Kim Cattrall. It's Bob. I um, I always used to have like a real problem with like shop dummies when I was little. Like sh- I used to have a problem with like shop du- shop dummies, lifelike dolls, or these like Victorian dolls with the sort of marble eyes and stuff, and like mm. uh, waxworks. I remember going to the old waxworks museum in Edinburgh when I was a kid. It's not built like it's there anymore, and just fucking not liking it. Just because I don't know, I don't know what it is. But, I I would go to like Dorothy Perkins with my mum and have to stand outside because <laughs> mannequins just to give me the used to give me the creeps. What were you afraid they would come to life? I think so. I think I, I there was I remember when I was really really wee. My mum and my mum and my dad were watching a film and I don't know what it was called and it's quite a vivid memory. So I've sort of tried to see if I could find this film, but it was like a sort of slasher film and the baddie was wearing like a mask, like a doll's face. And I think had a kind of yellow, like, Parker, no, not like sort of plastic um, raincoat on. And I, and I only saw a bit of it. And I don't know, I, I think that's the kind of, that's the kind of roots of, um, I only saw like, like, I say a bit of it, I'm talking like a minute of it, but it was like a minute when the baddie was trying to like stab somebody in the ankles through the stair railings. <laughs> so I've just Googled it. It is um, Alice Sweet Alice. Right. 1976 film. And yeah, I agree. That is quite. Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's quite scary. What's it called? The, Alice, uh, Sweet Alice. Image. Alice, Sweet Alice, a 1976 American slasher film. Right. Starred Brooke Shields in her film debut. Ah. Actually, sounds quite good. I have to see. What, might have to give that a watch. See what's on YouTube. Obviously, I'm not frightened of mannequins anymore. But they, they, but dolls, like these old vintage dolls, do just, just give me a bit, just make me a bit. I don't know, just a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, they are a bit creepy. Some of those dolls, they can be a bit kind of give you the heebie-jeebies. So. Oh well, well I'm glad. I mean, it's too bad that they can't find jobs for all the people that are being that are going to be made redundant out of Debenhams. But at least they found something for the mannequins to do. Exactly, every cloud and all that. Every cloud. So at least they've got something to do. Yeah, yeah. Never mind. Uh, so what else have you got? You mentioned something about Iron Brew news. Yeah, did you? I'll give you a, just two very quick bits of Iron Brew news before I do my last story. So last week we were obviously talking about uh, comic book uh, writer, uh, soon to be mogul um, Mark Miller. From from Scotland finding a, a nine-year-old can of iron brew in his shed. I mean, I don't know who keeps cans of iron brew in their shed, but apparently Mark does. And um, we spoke for a minute about the difference between the new flavour since the sugar tax came in and some of the... Like Mark, as I recall from your story, Mark was particularly upset when they changed the flavour, but it sounds like it might have saved his life, <laughs> judging by the amount that he was drinking before. <laughs> At Christmas two thousand or December 2019, Iron Brew released a limited run of their 1901 recipe in glass bottles. And it must have been a success because they've announced uh, that it's now, they're now made, it's, it's on, the, on the shop shelves permanently from this week. So from this week, 
week, you'll be able to buy mm. a glass bottle of 1901 recipe Iron Brew. So I, th- I think I said last week, I'd asked my sister to get me a bottle for going home for Christmas. And to be honest, like I didn't, I didn't notice it. I mean, it's maybe not quite as sweet as like the modern Iron Brew in my in, in my opinion. But uh, but yeah, hopefully it will um, it will keep some of these uh, Iron Brew purists happy. And then the other uh, little bit of Iron Brew news is the Aldi. So are you familiar with the sweeties? Millions. Have you seen these? Millions? They're like little, No, I don't think so. They're like little tiny, tiny balls. Like sweet oh. balls. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um so they had a Aldi had a iron brew range uh, flavour of millions, which uh, were so popular that they sold out in under a month right across the, the brand. So they have brought them back. Uh, iron brew mil- they're, they're not they're the iron brew millions but they're the jelly babies that they make. That Millions also make jelly babies. So if you in your local Aldi, uh, if you're in Scotland I assume, I don't know if you've got Aldi in, in Amsterdam, Nicky, but anyway. No, we don't. We've got Lidl, but we don't have Aldi. Well, they're made in Greenock um, by a company called Golden Casket. So they're, they're not like officially licensed iron brew there because they spell iron and brew correctly and uh, not in the the trademarked spellings of the of the main company. So uh so yeah, I think I'd, I think I quite enjoy iron brew flavor jelly babies. I just need to be careful not to build them too up too much in my mind, you know, in case I'm disappointed. Yeah, that's true. Very true. So do you think bars have just caved because obviously they changed the recipe for iron brew and a lot of people complained, so they released this limited edition obviously it was a test mm-hmm. to see if there was a demand for it there was obviously a huge demand yep. so they, they don't look like they're backing down by saying okay we've changed the recipe back they have to stick to their guns but now they're saying okay you've got the option to buy the original recipe one now it's up to you well coca-cola did that didn't they in the 1980s when they brought out new coke and they spent millions yeah. and millions and millions of dollars in marketing and launching it. Everybody like hated it. Like typical like Americans that are like brand slaves, fucking like holding demonstrations <laughs> because Coke had changed the flavor a wee bit. And then so they brought out original Coke like about a month later or something, which was just Coke that we all know and love. And I think they slowly phased new Coke out over time. Apparently, new Coke tasted mm. more like Pepsi. But apparently Pepsi were starting to outsell Coke in some territories for the first time, and that's what that's what pushed mm. that's what pushed them to bring out this new recipe. So, but going back to the Iron Brew, I don't know if um, I would imagine if they've been smart, the 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 price of the nineteen oh one recipe Iron Brew will be a wee bit more expensive for a glass bottle of that compared to a glass bottle of like twenty twenty one Iron Brew, maybe like ten fifteen p more expensive, and maybe they're thinking, well, it's only ten or fifteen p, people are likely to buy more. All adds up. Um, right, so my last story, uh, obviously, as at the time of recording, we're still sort of balls deep in COVID. This headline, and another one from the Scottish Sun. So it says, Cop Hunt. Cop Hunt, plague doctor, spotted in Dunfries as cops try to trace them after Falkirk locals creeped out by a similar figure. So some guy is cutting about, some, some people may be familiar with the sort of medieval plague doctor outfit where the sort of head is a bit like a crow with a beak. The guy, like, whoever it is, has got like a long sort of Neo of the Matrix uh, coat on, hat and this sort of crow's mask. There's a photograph of him here, uh, just out for a walk. <laughs> By the looks of things, not really doing anything. I'm not, I'm not really sure why the police are looking for him. I don't know if he's been breaking a law or anything. It, uh, yeah, it comes after officers in Falkirk track someone uh, he, well, the guy in Falkirk was lingering 
outside the school in similar clothing. So mm. maybe they do need to speak to him. But yeah, the police are looking to identify this person who has been seen in numerous areas of, Dunfer- of Dumfries wearing a crow mask and a black cloak. Uh, the person has been seen in the area of White Sands and Sandside on the 20th of March and then Lochside on the 21st of March. Yeah, the police are um, the police are appealing for anyone, anybody with any information to call them. Plague doctors battled the bubonic plague in 1645 wearing unusual all-black medical gear. Now, the medics wore long leather coats, large-brimmed hats and grotesque beak masks filled with sweet-smelling herbs. He's been spotted in Bowness, if it's the same guy as well, uh, in Falkirk. Locals in Falkirk and Stirling and the surrounding areas claim to have sighted uh, the freaky figure in the blacked-out get-up. Falkirk Council bosses confirmed to the Scottish Sun that they were aware of a sighting. Uh, Debbie Moore, who's 40, spotted the person walking in the Bowness Academy playing field. Uh, she said, I was working from home and something caught my eye. I peeked out the window for a closer look and noticed it was someone in the school playing field dressed as a bird. I thought I'd better take a picture because I didn't think anybody would believe me. Um, apparently they stood at the entrance to the school, not sure for what reason. Uh, the officer identified a male youth as the person wearing the outfit and they gave him advice. I imagine the advice is don't hang about outside of school in a fancy dress costume, you creepy bastard. But they didn't charge him with anything uh, and he wasn't reported doing anything illegal as such. So I suspect somebody's just uh, just having a laugh, too much time in their hands, you know? Yeah, when I saw this, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's like the... Uh, do you remember a few years ago there was the spate of people dressing up as clowns and just standing creepily on the side of roads yeah. just to, to freak people out? Was it- and I think this is exactly what the guy's doing. He's just having a, a bit of a laugh, but I didn't realise he was hanging about outside of school. That's taken it a bit too far. But yeah, I thought the plague doctor thing was quite funny, but hey, never mind. But as you say, what are you going to charge him with? Being a creepy nonce? <laughs> no, just being like a dodgy bastard. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> oh well, never mind. So, any more news for us? No, I've got... That's me for the news this week. So this week, uh, you chose the the TV show this week that we're going to take a look at. Why don't you introduce it? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, my choice this week. And I picked something that I have very fond memories of. And when we conceived the Swally and decided to do this, this was one of the first things I wanted to do. And it's taking me up till now to actually pick it but I'm delighted to be able to speak about it so we are going to be talking about the 1995 sitcom The High Life Um, after meeting at drama school Alan Cumming and Forbes Masson created Victor and Barry two slightly camp founding members of the Kelvin Side Young People's Amateur Dramatic Art Society the musical double act toured Scotland in the 80s and then they actually killed Victor and Barry off but in 1994 the pair conceived a pilot called The High Life for BBC2 Comic Aside series and then a series of the High Life was commissioned. So, the High Life sees Coming in Masson play Sebastian Flight and Steve McCracken, two airline stewards who work for Air Scotia on the Presswick to Heathrow run. It also stars Siobhan Redmond as Hitler in tights, Shona Spurtle, and Patrick Reihart as the eccentric Captain Hilary Duff. 
The High Life was a mixture of surreal, childish humour, visual slapstick and music hall comedy. And it ran for one series on BBC Two in 1995. And despite positive reviews and a second series being commissioned and written, it was never actually made because Alan Cumming became a massive movie star. (laughs) So before I go into my memories of this, of what I have many, you mentioned that you hadn't really seen it or you'd seen bits of it before. So I'd be interested to hear what your memories of it are. Uh, I remember it being on, because like the BBC, BBC Two on a Friday night in the kind of mid-90s used to have an hour or two of comedy. So the stuff like The Fast Show and Alan Partridge and things like that, and or uh, Reason Mortimer. And I remember, it, I remember it being on either before or after something that I wanted to watch. <laughs> so I'll tell you exactly what it was later on. <laughs> I um. Yeah, I didn't really, uh, I don't know, I didn't really, it didn't really appeal to me, I think. Because I, I guess, I mean, I'm not sure why I wouldn't, I, I must have watched at least some of an episode when I was, when it was first on. Um, watching it back, I can, I mean, I enjoyed it, I enjoyed watching it, but I can sort of see why it maybe didn't appeal to me. When I was that age, because you know I was, I probably was a bit of a kind of comedy snob <laughs> in those days. You know, I liked things like Black Adder and uh, the Fast Show and kind of clever catchphrasey type uh, stuff that we could all talk about at school. I'm not sure. I mean, I enjoyed it this time, but yeah, I think I. I gave it a bit of a swerve, I think, like intentionally when it was first on. Okay. Well, because well, it aired in 95, January 95, and I remember vividly what came before it and after it. And I went back and checked in the archives of the Radio Times, and I was correct. So I'm glad I was correct. So <laughs> it aired uh, at 9.30 on BBC Two. At 9 o'clock on BBC Two was Bottom. Right. And it was series three of Bottom. So it was, you know, Bottom was pretty popular at that time. And after it at 10 o'clock was a rerun of the day-to-day. So that's maybe why you would have had memories of it being on kind of at that time, if you watched Bottom or if you watched the day-to-day. Yeah. So I think I had watched, I would have definitely been watching Bottom. And then I obviously just continued watching for the high life. And I just absolutely loved it. I just thought it was brilliant. And in terms of you saying catchphrases, I remember a couple of my friends at school also watched it. And we would, the next day, you know, be in, say, like, oh, dearie me, and stuff like that. I think (laughs) watching it back now, and I haven't watched it in probably about 10 years, I was amazed at how much I remembered. I could actually recite lines... as they were coming on right. I could say things that were coming up I knew what was happening next the reason for that is I recorded every episode when it aired and I recorded every episode of Bottom as well so I had them like on two separate VHS tapes and I think the series maybe like into episode 5 or so I was off school sick for like three days with like some sort of bug and on those three days I watched that five episodes of Bottom and those five episodes of The High Life back to back to back to back in a loop so that it was just ingrained in my head because I loved it so much so it was a real treat for me to to come back and and watch it again so you would have been about 14 when it came out 13 or 14 yeah I would have been 14 uh, 13 when it first aired yeah yeah yeah. and I would have been I think I was in you said it was January 95 that it came out so I was I was 16 I was doing my the first year of my hires I I, I mean I think probably the reason that it didn't go and I don't even really remember anybody talking about it was because because it's camp 
you know, he's incredibly camp. And, um, you know, like, there's a fair bit of... Um, but anyway, I was in the high school in like, the northeast of Scotland in a farming community, so there was a fair bit of like prejudice towards homosexuality or even like implied homosexuality. Or even, like, the slightest suggestion that somebody might be a homosexual, do you know what I mean? So it's just, you know, I think even I think even if you watched it and, and you liked it, you'd probably keep it to yourself in that community. Okay, I see. I mean, it's never... Uh, yes, it is extremely camp, but Steve's always chasing after women. Yeah, yeah. It's never mentioned about Sebastian. You know, you never see him have a preference for male or female, so no, you don't know. Absolutely, you're right. And even, like, the only, the only sort of, like, kind of gay kind of double entendre is when uh, Steve is in the episode where Alan, uh, where Sebastian has to wear the, the mascot costume and uh, Steve's trying to help him take it off, get the helmet of it off and there's, a, you know, there's the kind of a, the kind of double entendre implication there where like um, Shona and the, the pilot and all that think that <laughs> think that they're boyfriends you know like not in company time yes <laughs> yeah. not on company time yes when he's wearing the shuggy mcgurk costume that's it shuggy mcgurk yeah <laughs> and i think the the show as you say is i mean it's extremely camp but it doesn't you know instantly from the song and dance routine and the theme tune at the start it yeah. is just that sums up what the show is all about yeah, yeah it's just incredible it's a great song great lyrics and the little dance number which probably cost more than the series <laughs> itself to put together in terms of the, the choreography there and Alan coming giving a nice little Hitler salute at the end <laughs> by accident yeah. <laughs> yeah by accident it just sets up straight away what uh, what the show's about now I need to ask because we did watch all the episodes but the pilot obviously it aired yeah but of course it wasn't part of the six-part series it was just it was actually remade in the show yeah. as I think episode four but the pilot is a bit of a different although it retains a lot of the same there's there's no um piped in laughter and I think Sebastian's you know the characters are slightly toned down a bit yeah like they, they've heightened it for the series I'll be honest I think the pilot works better for me like I I found it a bit more I don't know if it's because because without the laughter or if it was because it's just slightly toned down but I found it a bit more like oh I wish this had been the series but I still love the actual series of course it's a bit more the, the, the pilot I think because it doesn't have the the kind of piped in laughter it's a bit more almost sophisticated do you know what I mean and I think you know we're used to comedies now you know if I, th- if I think about the kind of modern successful comedies they tend not to have like a laugh track on them. They, my daughter watches um, Modern Family like all the time at the minute. Um, it just always seems to be on. We, up until a few weeks ago, my daughters lived in their bedrooms. I bought a new sofa. It's got a couple of reclining seats in it, and they're in the living room all the fucking time. And the TV's just monopolised. <laughs> but they've watched a lot of Modern Family, and Modern Family has no laugh track on it. Like it's always sunny in Philadelphia has no laugh track, and it's one of the funniest, funniest TV shows m- maybe ever. You know what I mean? No, certainly now. I think there's there's not a a trend as such for for laughter. Um, It can be quite off-putting. But then similarly, it's true in a way, because I I don't know if you've seen the clip online. I think someone put it up. It was like an episode of The Big Bang Theory, but they removed the laugh track. And it's not as funny. Right. (laughs) In terms of like... 
it does take you out of it a bit and then you're watching it and going, this is a bit shit, really. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think some shows do need that laugh track in it. Mm-hmm. The pilot is obviously a bit different and of course, I mean, we need to address this now. Are we including the pilot in this review? I included um, the pilot is because, I, because you are just because like when you put them all in a the thing for me, there was, I just thought we'd do all of them. I, I was quite surprised because I, 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 I'd never seen it before. So when I started watching the, the sort of you know the the, the fourth episode or whatever which is essentially the pilot remade like for a second I thought I'd maybe clicked on the pilot again or something or there or there was some mistake or something like that and then I realised oh you know it's different actors playing like the film crew and the I think different actors play the lord and lady on the plane as well and you know. I think I think they're the only two actors that are the same. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the Lord and Lady are the same. I thought. Um, all right. But I think everyone else is different. I thought the the girl Avril. I thought she was the same actress, but just with more makeup on, like kind of more heavily made up in the in the other in the one that aired. You know, different actress right, that okay. played Avril. And again, she's even more understated because she comes on obviously still dressed in tartan, but <laughs> in the actual episode four of the series, she is fully with tartan and. She's got her bagpipes with her yeah <laughs> she's you know they do go uh, quite over the top yeah in yeah. terms of the the scotches and that's the thing it's it's great because it does it does go over the top in terms of the the scottishness that is dripping in this show mm-hmm. i mean obviously they work for air scotia the uniforms are quite subtle in a tartan tie and the lapels yeah. but it's it's when they when they're doing the cleaning duties and they have the tartan tabards on that <laughs> I just find hilarious <laughs> it's very much the <laughs> over the topness of it yeah and it does it does seem to like if you watch the episodes in order after the pilot uh, I'm sure I know we'll go into detail in the last episode uh, later on but it does it gets it sort of becomes a wee bit you know like I think about the episode where they with the U- the Scotland's Eurovision Song Contest entry, you know what I mean, it, and I thought you know it sort of peaked in terms of kind of silliness and surrealism until I saw the last episode. <laughs> I, I think that's the the case because you have the the first five episodes that are you know kind of very a similar vein in terms of the the silliness. Although mind you, episode two takes you out of the flight because they're training the castle at the yeah, training yeah. weekend, but. The rest are all kind of follow a similarish theme, but yeah, episode six, which we'll come to later, yeah. it does completely take you out of it. Yeah, but that's the the whole series has ridiculously surreal moments. Um, I mean, you know, you have the little bits of Sebastian, for example, doing the bolero down the aisle mm-hmm. um, with with Steve, um, but it does set out its stall quite quickly in the first episode where you meet Captain Duff yeah. and he has obviously just been at a Star Trek convention and it's hilarious when they do the the fag packet as the communicator but then when he says beam me up he actually gets beamed up <laughs> and uh, straight away you're like what what am I watching here so they set out their stall pretty quickly yeah. in terms of that it, it sort of made I remember I remember years and years ago there was this Australian um, medical comedy called let the blood run free and it was like ridiculously surreal 
like to the point of being unwatchable. I mean, well, for me at the time, I think I was maybe like 12 or 13 and I saw an advert for it and I thought, oh, I really want to watch that. And then I watched it and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and for some reason, it made the watching the highlight because it made, made me think of that. You know, it, it almost, and that, and um, remember the Green Wing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the Green Wing, it was just like all bizarre surrealist moments like much much more so but uh but yeah that was i mean that's and there's not really any other bits in any of the other episodes as kind of out there as that little moment when he when uh, captain duff gets beamed up <laughs> you know even you know. when he's flying the plane dressed up as a clown and all that when they've got the kids on and stuff it's a private charter. <laughs> so, I mean, to speak about the, the cast as well, of course, it, it, it was written and created by Cumming and Masson, so they obviously have the two starring roles. And they are a very good double act, mm-hmm. as I'm hearing. And obviously, Alan Cumming went on to have quite a bit of success in terms of his, his career, and I completely forgot until I was watching it again. You know, I, I, I'm so used to, you know, it's Alan Cumming, of course. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that he was in Goldeneye, yeah. And that really dated it for me because I'm thinking, wow, that was so long ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, the high life doesn't seem that old, but Goldeneye seems like forever ago. So it was quite uh, quite interesting. But yeah, I mean, he had a great career. I mean, X-Men 2, of course, and he went on to have a lot of success. And I think he was in like The Good Wife. The Good Wife. Or... Well, but I've, it's in like 121 episodes. Yeah, I've actually got I've actually got a very 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 tenuous connection to Alan Cumming because when I um just before I moved out here to the Middle East, I took a job uh, contracting for a company in Glasgow that set up little coffee cafes in like offices, and one of the baristas, um, the woman that was show, the woman that I was sort of replacing was showing me around, and she said uh, that guy the guy guy there Gary has got a really famous uncle. Can you guess who it is? And I was like, I haven't got a clue. And she was like, do you watch The Good Wife? And I was like, no. And she said, it's, she said, do you know who Alan Cumming is? And I was like, I know Alan Cumming. She said, well, that's, that's, his, that's his nephew. And it is. And he's, he's actually a nice guy, Gary. But he showed me, um, I'm friends with him on Facebook, but he went, when I was still working there, Alan Cumming turned 50, and he hired out Tornado Bay, the water park in one of the, maybe it's in Disney in Florida, I think it's in Disney, after hours for his party. So Gary was showing me all the pictures from, because he was obviously invited, and just like Alan Cumming and his family and friends having a big tear up at Tornado Bay. Um, I've The pictures are on Facebook, so I'll do a bit of Facebook stalking and send them over to you uh, <laughs> later on. Any link's a good link, yeah. And of of course, uh, Forbes Masson as well as his his partner as Steve McCracken, and he's had a very successful career as well. Not didn't go down the Hollywood route like like Mister Cumming, but he's been very successful in in the UK and a lot of the things that he's done. He does a lot of theatre work, and of course he. I mean, I the three roles I would probably think if you mention his name to me are uh, as Steve McCracken in The High Life, as Art Stilton in A Young Person's Guide to Becoming a Rock Star, which we reviewed, I think, episode four. Yeah, of the Swally, available wherever you get your podcasts, and as the the pedo tutor in, or I, I shouldn't say the grooming tutor. Uh, that's a good name for a band, actually. The <laughs> tutor in uh, in EastEnders. Yeah, so he's had a great success, and of course, uh, Siobhan Redmond. She pops up in a lot of stuff that we've seen over the years in terms of uh, a good Scottish actress. Yeah, you know, she's she's great, and I'd say she's probably more known for her serious roles. But she's she's brilliant. She's got very good comic timing as well. Yeah, she's really good. Mum and I used to watch her in between the lines 
Lines, the kind of police procedural TV show. Yeah, she's really good. But just go, go back to Forrest Masson for a second. I didn't realise what an accomplished musician he is because when I, when I was doing my... When I was, I, I'd never heard of uh, Victor and Barry, their characters, and until I started doing the research for the podcast, and I, I watched a couple of their performances. And he's a really accomplished piano player. And those songs that they do, those sort of kind of no-coward-esque type songs, they, I mean, they're really, really good. And like, they're so well-timed and everything. Really subtle. They're really funny. There was one that I watched where... Uh, Tony Wilson introduced them, the, Tony Wilson of uh, Factory Records uh, and kind of Manchester music scene fame, introduced, they did a kind of fake uh, Glasgow promotional song. Because mm. I'll, I'll, put, I'll put the link in the, maybe we can put the link in the description to the podcast when we release it, but um, it's really funny. I mean, it's quite old. I think they did it in like 1987, 1988, and it's a song, it's a song sort of supposedly selling Glasgow to the the world and um obviously they make fun of like people taking heart attacks and people being smashed and all that kind of thing but they film it they're all they're kind of wandering around the west end they're on the flyover over the m8 um all these different locations around glasgow it was, it was really really good but i thought they were really really funny but yeah i didn't realize uh like as i say i didn't realize what an accomplished uh, musician he was and he's, he's he's done i think he's like composed a couple of musical shows as well i think there's one called mince that he did, that he did, and I saw it in his um, IMDb, uh, where I think he's composed the music and written the the book and all that for it. So but yeah, he, he's I think he's really good in this because like with Alan Cumming, like I, I knew Alan Cumming could do all this sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I knew he could do the comedy, and you know I've seen him do funny things before, and I've seen him do serious things, and I know he's he does a lot of. Uh, Musical theatre and stuff as well, but before was Masson, I'd only I'd only really seen him in like maybe a handful of things. One of which is that EastEnders uh, storyline. I think it was when he was grooming Sonia or something like that. Was it Sonia he was grooming? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. And um, obviously the young person's guide. So uh, yeah, I didn't realise. I didn't realise just uh, what an all rounder he was. No, he's yeah, he's fantastic. And as you say, I think that a lot of the music bleeds into the series as well because, of course, you have the the theme tune. But since I've watched this last week, all week, I have either been singing Piff Paff Poff, my heart goes Piff Paff Poff, I want to have it off till I cough, or or I've been singing Scotia, Air Scotia is the airline that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> the song's just stuck in my head. And it's it's great. And they do use a lot of, of the music in the same way they use a lot of, of like rhyming and alliteration yeah, as yeah. well throughout the show. So I have a hunch the henchman is half-hearted in his horribleness. Yeah. Or it's the, the frequent farcical fraternising with female flight attendants. Passengers or right. flights. <laughs> The one that I always remember, and I used to always say, and it was so funny seeing it again, is the... Um, well, I was in Mario's and Motherwell having a macaroni when who should walk in but Lena Zavaroni? <laughs> it just, just makes me laugh. So I, I think they do use a lot of, of that in the show, and I think they do use it to good effect. Yeah, but for sure. It's, like I said in the intro, it is quite childish humour, but it's it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it. It's the stuff you can laugh at. It's nothing offensive. No. You know, there's nothing offensive about it. It's just good kind of childish humour. Well, there, 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 was, um, there was a line in it that made me think, oh, the, that would upset a couple of people. I'm trying to think it was. It was something about they were describing 
something is black and hairy and um, I think Alan Cummings says, oh, that's how Shona likes her men or something like that. And I was like, I can just see, I can see that being, I can see people, people getting upset about that in 2021 if that came out now. Alan Cummings cancelled. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I tell you, one thing I was quite surprised to see when I was um, just getting a bit more background on Alan Cummings is that he is described in Google as a Scottish-American actor because he's taken uh, the citizenship exam in the US to be a naturalised oh. citizen. So, um, yeah, I must have, maybe he's, I think he's married to an American guy, maybe something like that. Okay. Uh, there are a lot of, of jokes and things that carry on throughout the series. So, of course, you do have a couple of catchphrases as the, you know, oh, DDB. And the one that appears in probably the most episodes is when Steve and Sebastian are welcoming people onto the flight. And it's the same every time, if you've noticed, you know, morning, fat bum. Yeah. Morning, sweaty. Morning, fat bum. Morning. <laughs> Sweaty. Morning. Oh, well, didn't bother then. <laughs> and it's, it's a good insight as to, uh, you know, I guarantee probably staff do do that on flights oh, in terms yeah. of no talking doubt. about passengers. Of course they do. No doubt. I mean, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I, I hate flying, not because I'm scared of flying not for the not for the reasons that most people don't like to fly I, i'm not worried about the plane crashing but the whole i just it's just like so it's just like a drudge like flying anywhere you know what i mean and people i'm sure that people behave at the airport and on flights differently to how they would normally behave <laughs> for sure you know they for the one thing you can have a few pints at like seven o'clock in the morning before you get on the plane normally you wouldn't do that right and uh you know, just that you hear the way people behave on the plane and want to be waited on and everything. I I I, I know a few people that have been flight attendants uh, and and they've done it as a career, and they, they they tend to do it. It tends to be like a forever career. And do they do the hokey cokey <laughs> on the flight as well, as <laughs> we see in the first episode, Captain Duff? Leading everyone and doing the hokey cokey. <laughs> That's the thing. They always seem to be flying to Heathrow because they, the joke of the captain asking where they're going again, and it's usually Steve that says Heathrow. You know, they're always, it's always, it always seems to be the London flight. It is, yeah. It's They're stuck on the Presswick to London Heathrow flight. That's why you get that they have aspirations to get onto the international flights, yeah, yeah. but they are stuck doing the, the domestic shuttle run to Heathrow every day. <laughs> Which does make it funny as you say it's another running joke of yeah Heathrow captain (laughs) did you like the use of in the first episode I did I really like the the flashback scene of Shona with her dad and the fact that it is Siobhan that plays the young Shona (laughs) just with pigtails and the use of Shangalai I did until the day that I depart this planet every time I hear Shangalang I'll think about you (laughs) I'm exactly the same I think about you (laughs) Maybe we'll go into detail on that one day. Hey, if we decide to do the Bay City Rollers TV series one day, <laughs> then uh, we'll we'll tell you why Shangalang is such a, a fond memory for us <laughs> and is so important to us. Yeah, I did, it was the first thing that, that came to mind, but I, I did like that. And um, again, it, we didn't really uh, give Siobhan Redmond enough uh, kind of praise when we were talking about the cast because um, yeah, I saw it when uh, Peter, uh, Peter fucking hell, when Alan Cumming was being interviewed on Pebble Mill, that little interview that you cut for me by none other than Radio Clyde's Ross King. 
Yeah. You know, like Ross King was, oh, I was quite surprised to see Siobhan Redman doing, uh, that's just doing comedy. Usually we associate her with, um, more serious roles. And Alan Cumming was like, it's some loads of comedy. They, 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 it's like, like mm. I said, the first thing I ever saw in was a comedy. Uh, they, she did, she did one called Alfresco with, um, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie and a few other quite, I can't remember exactly now, but a few other quite famous British comedy actors um, but her, her timing is just hilarious and she just she's obviously having a good time because like whenever they go in, I think there's the scene that's in the pilot and in the sort of reshot pilot when uh, the plane's taken off and they're singing those magnificent men in their flying machines and she's you know she's a bit of an unusual character because she's you know like she's supposed to be this kind of matriarchal kind of hard ass purser on the plane but yet she gets involved in the silliness with the two guys as much as she <laughs> attempts to police it you know she's really good yeah she is the the hard ass of uh, yeah as I say Hitler in tights and what's it Mussolini in micro mesh (laughs) (laughs) she does get quite a a rough ride but it's a shame because Steve's obviously and well Steve's in love with any female going I mean I think every episode he has something his chat up line in the first episode in particular is just brilliant when he's he's told to keep the, the police officer busy and he says I can't wait for it to be winter so I can use your legs as a scarf. (laughs) (laughs) But he's he's always built up with that. I mean, he does have success in the second episode with... Heather mm-hmm. um, at the the, the yeah. training session. Yeah, I like that's that, I think that's my favourite episode. That one. Yeah, and I, I like the actress that plays uh, Heather Sally Howlett. I mean, she's 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 probably best known for being in playing Scarlet in R- River City for years and years. But she's uh, like the scene where he has where she, he's he's supposed to be rescuing her from the pool, and she ends up rescuing him. And there's all those underwater scenes when they're playing um, Marina of Stingray. <laughs> She's like towing him about by his ear underwater and stuff. It's just, oh. it's just, the, it's just the expression on Forbes Masson's face as he's being like pulled through the water. Oh uh, no, I think you're right. I, I'd say that is probably my favourite episode. And I mean, spoiler, but I think probably my favourite scene is the the first scene where they're in the hall and you have the the, the retrain commander and they're having to do the. Is it back exit, side exits, front exits, and then they have the uh, uh, the lights on the floor, and then of course they sing the Air Scotia uh, theme for yeah. their beloved chairman Sir Cameron Bridie, <laughs> and that's the the thing. I think most of the names that you have in here are over the top kind of Scottish that you have, and whenever they have a chance to do something like that, it's it's they don't miss a beat. I actually used to work with a girl called Bridie. She was Welsh. And she obviously knew and had had it many times because she made a point of coming to me and when she knew I was Scottish, she said, yes, I do know my name is a meat and onion pastry <laughs> in Scotland. <laughs> so she must have had it quite a few times in terms of that. But yeah, they, they really don't miss um, in terms of the different the Scottish names and things that you have. Or of course, the um, that's another surreal bit, I suppose, that you have in that episode when they're doing the, the Air Scotia theme and Sebastian and, and Steve kind of sing it for and then she says, everyone join in. And then it turns into like a communist Russia type 
theme song <laughs> <laughs> kind of pumping their arm uh, so yeah another nice bit of surreal humour in there do you mean should we should we talk about the last episode yeah I think we have to <laughs> um, obviously it's a bit of a departure in a way heavily yeah. inspired by the 60s Batman shoe I mean even down to the the little eye dents in between scenes you yeah know, the, and they kind of play the music and have the the plane the kind of squint camera angle as well when the when the fight at the end and all that <laughs> well the fight at the end is fantastic it's, it's, that's brilliant so okay yeah it's a it's very much a this is a ridiculous episode it's probably my least favorite yeah me too. I, st- I still enjoy it but it's still it, it just takes it out of the actual essence of the show but i see what they were trying to do so it's about the um stoked trying to get the the magical recipe for a tablet from the woman from Rent-A-Ghost. Yeah, Molly Weir. <laughs> so, yeah, they're trying to retrieve their floppy. Um, <laughs> so so what did you think of the episode? I take it you didn't like it that much. I didn't I didn't dislike it. I just, you know, it was it was just like so different from any of the other five episodes in, and plus a pilot. <laughs> I it, Took me by surprise a wee bit. I mean, when I was watching it, I was thinking, right, maybe they found out when they were still recording the series that this episode was going to be their last episode. So they were like, fuck mm. it. Let's just be as silly and as over the top and as 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 we can. Because it doesn't matter, you know, because we're not coming back for another series. Or they just maybe thought, well, like, there's only so many. It, it, it made me think, well, when I saw that season two had been written, but they just never got to film it, I kind of thought, well, maybe the season two would have had other... Like more episodes that weren't on the plane. So I, I suppose there's only so many scenarios you can come up with that could, yeah. you know, that could happen and that are funny that would happen on an aeroplane. You know, like mad passengers, attempted hijackings. You know, like short of a plane crash. You know, it's kind of what else can you come up with? You know. Yeah, you're right. I think as you say in the in the first series, they do cover the hijacking celebrities on yeah. board, the plane being chartered for a private booking. Yeah, everything's covered really. Yeah. Did you recognise the actor who plays uh, Vincent Stoat? He's he's got he's got uh, a, a small but pivotal part in a film that I know is a favourite of yours as it is mine. I didn't actually, or did I? I did recognise him, but no. What's he plays the senior policeman in ID when they go? You know when they have when the Reese uh, what's his name thing man that have to go and sit in front of him, and then later on he's the one that tells them that they're no longer undercover anymore and all that kind of thing. Wow. Okay. No, I didn't catch that at all. Actually, oh, I'll have to to look out for that then. Ah, well spotted. Well spotted. Uh, of course, I did spot in. Um, in the pilot and in episode four, did you spot who the the sports and disasters correspondent was? I was trying to place, I was trying to place him, and I, I couldn't. I, I know, I totally recognised the guy, and I was just, who the fuck yeah. is that? Gavin Temperley from Trainspotting. So it is. <laughs> it's one of those faces that yeah. you're just like, I know him. I've seen him in so many things. Where is he? Yeah. Um, sorry. So to go back to episode six, um, <laughs> as it's it's called Dunk, the Batman style choreographed fight. With with the words coming up on the screen, just like the Six Days Batman. <laughs> Did you catch the words that were there? Pish was one. <laughs> I particularly enjoyed. Pish, nip, dunk, gubbed, dunt, wee, and my personal favourite, fud. <laughs> I think that's the first one that comes up, is someone gets punched and just comes up, fud. <laughs> Um, and then yeah Captain Duff comes in and, and saves them all turns out he's a, quite a trained martial artist <laughs> ex-SAS I mean I gotta be honest 
I, I think I loved every moment of Captain Duff. He just like absolutely creased me every time. And and every time he came on, I knew that he was going to just do some daft, surreal kind of humour. But the, the one that made me laugh the most was when Gav Temperley is doing his sign-off from the runway. Mm. And he's just like stood <laughs> behind him, like staring at the camera. And I, 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 I did a wee bit of room. I, I looked into uh, the kind of filmography of Patrick Reichart who plays him and he's quite a serious actor like kind of Royal Shakespeare uh, company most recently he's been playing the Earl of Norfolk in The Crown mm. Netflix's Royal Family um, saga so you know again it's a bit like um, Siobhan Redmond so like someone who predominantly you get used to seeing in serious roles and it's not like it's like a satirical kind of look at life uh, for cabin crew it's just it's like it's like a balls out like Mm. over the top comedy and they're both completely invested in it (laughs) you know as you say I think anytime he's on screen you know something and and it's always the absurd I think is it the episode it starts when they they have like a bumpy landing and he comes out of the cockpit everyone's dishevelled and they say what happened and he says oh well she was Sri Lankan the communication (laughs) broke down what exactly went wrong sorry Oh, well, Stephen, we gradually grew apart. She was from Sri Lanka, you know, and she finally went off with the church organist. No, not your marriage, sir. I mean, the bumpy landing. Oh, that. Oh, well, just the usual tying up shoelaces, dodgy moment, runway. <laughs> Total pit. And you, know, you never see his, his co-pilot, I don't think, do you? That was the interesting thing. In the pilot, uh-huh. you do. There but, is someone yeah. sat next to him, but... In the in the series, no, it's just him sat in the the pilot's chair with the yeah kind of controls behind him, and uh, invariably, you know, every episode there is something different in terms of the Star Trek sitting there with the Spock ears, um, or it's saving them from SAS, or dressed as a clown. Um, I I do particularly like the the episode two, which I, th- I think it, say it is our favourite, is the when he just suddenly appears when they're doing strip the willow, and he's. It's it's the interaction between the two when he's uh, Hillary Gretchen Hillary <laughs> Gretchen and he kind of saves the day as well because he rekindles his relationship with Gretchen and then the exam gets cancelled. Yeah, but uh, Shona still gets her thousand pounds for uh, because she was expected to get top marks anyway. <laughs> and of course, we haven't really hugely spoken about. I, I touched upon it earlier. Now this aired the year before Father Ted's Song for Europe episode with my lovely horse but you can see it's quite similar with Sebastian's entry for Song for Europe with Piff Paff Poff Now there's something in that that in that, that I thought was quite clever and it's when Sebastian's talking about former British um, winning songs and how they're mm. all a bit sort of nonsensical like uh, Lulu's uh, Boom Banger was it Boom Bama Lang or something like that the one that Lulu did I think she won mm-hmm. uh, Cliff Richard with his congratulations uh, celebration song and even I think Abba's um, the, the one that Abba won this was which what was the, the, their song was like a kind of made, was like Super Trooper or some kind of made up catchy word or something I'm not sure I, 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 I'm not even going to look it up because my <laughs> My disdain for ABBA knows no bounds, but um, but I thought that was quite clever because he's like, you know, I've got a title and it needs to be just like something catchy, something that uh, foreigners 
will understand as well, you know, like, like pop pop. <laughs> it's like really, really clever. But then when they do the performance, I mean, that has to be like one of the, I mean, it, it just like screamed sort of 1990s kind of pop performances to mm. me. Like, you know, especially when they kind of rip off their uh, tartan trousers <laughs> and they've got, they've got the blue sort of cycling shorts underneath. And if you, if you, if you see like early kind of take lap, performances or boys mm. or whatever it's exactly like that <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah it, it does have very much yeah kind of a, a early 90s that kind of vibe almost with like with a euro pop kind of <laughs> twist yeah and it's a cracking song you have to say yeah and i think that's the again they're trying to show that it's a very different version of scotland in the high life because of course you have um scotland having its entry into the eurovision song contest and in the the previous episode in the the news report at the end, they say that Falkirk failed in their bid to host the 1996 Olympics. And Steve utters the immortal line that I might have to clip for the news. Is, <laughs> <laughs> Nothing good ever happens to folk from Falkirk. And of course, Forbes Masson is from Falkirk. Exactly. That's where he was born. So, Absolutely. So he's allowed to say that. So they're just living in this surreal world where Falkirk could bid to host the Olympics <laughs> and, and Scotland are in the Eurovision Song Contest. If I think about Scottish comedy that, w- that became successful, that came before the high life, like, the only two that really, or three rather, that really stick in mind are obviously Naked Video and subsequently Rabsy Nesbitt and Absolutely. So you've got, you got two sketch shows and one sitcom in Rabsy Nesbitt. I was I'm kind of struggling to think of a another like successful Scottish sitcom that came before the highlight. So you wouldn't say City Lights was successful. Oh, of course, City Lights. Yeah. Well, but even then, okay. But then what else though? That's not a lot, really. If you think about it, right? City Life, Rabsy Nesbitt. Uh no. There's probably not a lot in terms of of Scottish sitcoms from that era. I mean, yeah, I think a lot of them probably came afterwards. And I I think in a way. If you notice, the episode titles are all quite Scottish, and Mm -hmm. you would think that they're very much like still game episode titles. So they kind of are, you know, not ripped off, but you know, they're Fiat, Burl, Winch, Doug, Tube, Dunk. They're all, that's exactly what Still Game did yeah. in terms of their episode titles. So I don't know if it's just, if there was any influence there or, or what. But yeah, you're probably right. I don't think there was anything that big. And for this to be shown at 9.30 on a Friday night on BBC Two, it's mm-hmm. that's pretty big going because that's, you know, it, it follows Bottom, which as I say was in its third series, hugely successful show, yeah. got a good few million viewers. So it's a, a tremendous to be following that. So it showed that they obviously had quite a lot of faith in the series. So I wonder then why, I mean, do, do, do you think it is just a case of Alan Cumming just was too busy to go and commit to doing another series? Do you think that's the only reason? Yeah, I think from what I've read, that is exactly what happened because yeah. they obviously took the time to write it. Yeah. But in terms of being able to film it, you know, you would think filming something like this is probably a good a six-week stint in order to film everything, and he probably just couldn't commit mm-hmm. that length of time because he had his, his film career taking off. It's a terrible shame. I would love to have, have seen it, and uh, it'd be interesting, even if the scripts were available, I'd love to find out what they what they had planned for Series 2. I think, I mean, I think maybe what they could have done for the second series, I guess, if they wanted to keep the, the kind of being on a plane part of it, they could have maybe uh, put the cast on international flights, you know what I mean? Mm. So that you could have maybe had that sort of Scotsman abroad 
type humor, you know, maybe. That'd be yeah, interesting. possibly. And and that could have worked with Alan Cumming, you know, if he was doing some a film in America, they could have filmed <laughs> he could have done a Michael J. Fox. He could have done his film during the day and then filmed a high life at night. Do a double double <laughs> shift. Come on, Alan. Sort yourself out. I know you're busy being in X Men two and in episodes of Sex in the City and stuff, but come on, just do the high life. The thing is, if you look at like Alan Cummings international stuff, I mean obviously X Men two, which I think it was two thousand and two that came out and and GoldenEye, which was out about the same time as um, as the High Life was, but it's it's mostly sort of TV stuff. He's got like he's got small parts in some movies, and like he's got he's got a part in Eyes Wide Shut where he plays a like a hotel receptionist uh, who flirts with Tom Cruise. I've never seen uh, Eyes Wide Shut. It just didn't appeal to me at all. So I have to just take their word for that. But yeah, they're like, looking at it. So he's. He's done a lot of voiceover stuff, like he's got Garfield, he's got Dora the Explorer. He popped up in Frasier uh, in 2003. Spy Kids 2, Sky Kids, he, got, he was in, um, he's in the remake of Get Carter with Sylvester Stallone. Got a part in that. I've never seen that either. He's in Plunkett and McLean, but that's a British film. Yeah, and he's in Spice World, yeah. the Spice Girls movie. Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, he's in that. That was quite a successful movie, I've not seen that one either. <laughs> So I think what we've worked out is that Alan Cumming is in a lot of things that I've not seen in America. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. It could have uh, could have easily done this. I think that's kind of it. I, I, I forgot to give a shout out to as well the of course the the episode Doug, which has Guy Wersh from the Ganton Screeks. Yep. As the band and the album Badger Matadger, <laughs> which is a, a great title for an album. I thought at first, when that character first came on, and and for probably the first half of the episode, I thought that was Craig Ferguson playing. Mm. But it's not. It's some no, other. It's, it's another not. guy. It does look a bit like him. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. It does look a bit like him. Um. So yeah, I I think that kind of covers the high life. Have you got anything else to? No, oh, should we run it through the awards? Yeah, let's let's run it through the awards. So the so archetypal Scottish moment. Um, I had two for this. What this? What did you have? I, I've got two. I mean, you could pick almost anything. Um, yeah, but the two, the, the two I've gone for. You can't have a Kayleigh scene and not include it. It's very Scottish. But I think I had to give it to Steve feeding the tartan terrorist Haggis whilst reciting Burns. <laughs> That, that kind of was it for me. What about yourself? What did you go for? Um, I had well, I, I sort of had that. I had the the mad nationalist hijacker. Oh, <laughs> she wants them to land in fucking. She wants them to land the plane in the noon <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and also the kind of MacGuffin in the in the last episodes. Obviously, the recipe that that Stolt the confectionist is trying to get his hands on is for tablet, which is. Mm. incredibly Scottish and made me crave a wee bit of tablet I mean I love tablet but it's <laughs> tablet's one of those things that you can only really have kind of one square every little while yeah. if you go over if you have two squares you end up feeling sick for a good half an yeah. hour you know but I do love a bit of tablet so who did you who did you give the Sean Connery award to Alan Cumming it has to be I think yeah I think he's the best it's his show yeah I think really I know it's the it's the pair of them and you do need both of them there to bounce off each other but I think it's Alan Cumming that steals it and you could say he has obviously gone on to probably have the slightly more mainstream career but yeah I'd give it to Alan Cumming what about yourself I agree I would give 
favourite to Alan Cumming, but I think I would have to give sort of mentions to Siobhan Redmond and Patrick Reichart just for commitment <laughs> and being and being so good, being so good in the role. So I think I know who your answer to this one's going to be, but who would you give the James Cosmo Award to? If we're including the pilot, I included the pilot. we are. Yeah. Then, of course, it's Alex Norton. Yeah, that's who I had. Although I, I, I feel that like a special mention needs to be given to Gav Temperley, <laughs> now that you've brought that to my does, attention. Because yeah. he, he, he fairly gets around. For the, for the, the, the Begbie Swearing Award... I mean, I, there's not really any like particularly bad language, I, but I gave it to Alan Cumming just for sort of general swearing, like the way he says "shite" stuff like that. And he's, he, I think he's definitely the sweariest character in the ensemble. You know, who do you have? Who do you have for that? Um, it was Steve when he's offering Sebastian a coffee. Oh yeah, <laughs> they managed to slip that in. That's the. There are quite a few. There's, as you say, there's a lot of shite and yeah. stuff. And I do like the. Of course, I forgot. I mean, it's not swearing. I guess it'd be blasphemous. Is when Sebastian's praying that the the food will be in the in the cupboard that he's forgotten to order, and when he's praying to God, and he does say, "I know I haven't always been complimentary about your son," and <laughs> when he opens it, he does bastard, uh, which was great. But yeah, I have to give it to the. You fuck off, eh? I said you for coffee. Oh. <laughs> it's so cool because I did a double take and they, they do obviously they do that joke in both the pilot and the recorded episode that is the part of the series which is essentially a re-recorded episode and it, it, it caught me both times because it does sound like he's saying you fuck off eh like someone from the east of Scotland might say it was it was, it was good it's so, just like Mike Ox smells <laughs> yeah that like, you had never noticed before for the for the Taggart tally so I only did the main cast and so only um, Alan Cumming and Siobhan Redmond have credits in Taggart. Uh, Siobhan actually became a regular character in the kind of later series when Alex Norton was the lead in the show. So she did seven episodes. And uh, Alan Cumming famously is in one of the very first Taggart series as a murder suspect. And he, oh. he's got three episodes. Surprisingly, Forbes, Forbes Masson has never done it. Isn't he's never done a tag before? Oh, that really does surprise me. Hmm. I thought he might have popped really up. Really does. And, I mean, there's a lot of other like yeah. things he's done, but uh, along those lines. But um, um, he's not. So yeah, quite a low tag at tally. Um, but as I say, I did the main. I did the main cast. I didn't do any of the yeah. guests. Not if I. I think the only sort of guest that's got that's got a tag credit is Alex Norton. Anyway. I think I don't think any other ones did, mm. to be honest. And then last one, then uh, so I, I did do a favourite scene. I did favourite episode, which we have sort okay. of men- we, we kind of mentioned already was uh, the training episode Burl with uh, Sally Howitt. Yeah, definitely. I think that's just got so many funny moments, and it's it's just a it's a nice little story. It, it's similar to you taking them out of the the flight, and that's why I love this show because the they're on the plane. It is like in an enclosed area that they're in. There's no escape. And it takes them out of that, but puts them in a, a different setting where, again, there's no escape. And I just think it works really well. And that episode has just got so many funny moments in it that it's, yeah, it's the one for me. Cool. No, like I say, it was good. I, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll be the first person to admit, as I did earlier, that I, I think I think I did consciously avoid this when it first came on, but um, I, 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 I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, when it, when it started and in, in those sort of more surreal, silly moments, I did think to myself, oh, 
this is going to be hard to talk about this. I don't think I'm going to enjoy it, but um, it is quite. Uh, it does. It's. It does sort of enchant you. You know, I, I can see why you enjoyed it so much when you were a young teenager. Uh, and I, and I suspect if I had given it an opportunity, like a pro- like a proper opportunity, when I was when it first came out, I'd probably have enjoyed it as well. Although I guess yeah, I could probably have never admitted to it. <laughs> Oh, well, wonderful. I'm glad I could introduce you properly to the high life. As I say, it's something that I I hold very fond memories of and I cherish. And watching it back again, I, I was still really enjoying it. And I was watching it on my laptop with headphones on at the dining table and I was giggling away to myself. I think it was episode two, actually. And my wife was like, what are you watching? <laughs> I just can't help it. It's just making me laugh. So, yeah, I'm very glad that I could uh, could introduce you to the high life and I'm glad you enjoyed it. OK, great. Well, I think that covers the high life. Uh, so it was my choice this week, Greg. So it's your choice next week. What are we going to be looking at on this Swally next time? Well, I- I thought we'd do a kind of genre that we've not done before. There's obviously elements of it in the high life. I'm going to be, I think I'm going to have the, the high life uh, theme tune stuck in my head for the next few weeks. But it's a movie I've never seen before. So I thought next week we could do Sunshine on Leith, the Proclaimers musical movie. I don't think I've seen that either. I think I started watching the first couple of minutes and then got distracted or something. But I've, I've never seen the whole film. Okay. So, wow. Cool. Well, first memories is going to be a bit difficult next time, but <laughs> at least, what's your first memories? Well, two days ago when I watched it, it was. <laughs> well, we can we can, be, we can talk about our, our proclaimers' memories. I'm sure we've got some good memories tied up with the proclaimers over our lives. Yeah, we certainly do. I think, and uh, great. So I'm going to have proclaimer songs stuck in my head <laughs> the whole time now. Fantastic. Ah, never mind. I'll enjoy that. Great. Oh yeah, brilliant. Look forward to doing that. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, you can. If, if there's anything you'd like us to review or if there's anything that you've seen in the news you'd like us to cover, then you can email us on cultureswally at gmail.com and give us a follow on Instagram at cultureswallypod and you can follow us on Twitter as well at swallypod. And if you enjoy the podcast, please like us, rate us on iTunes, review, subscribe, tell your friends. And that would be lovely. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Right. Well, I guess that's it, Greg. I guess it is. Uh, I look forward to look forward to uh, watching Sunshine on Leith over the next few days and chatting to chatting about it to you next time. Thanks for listening. Fantastic. All right. Thanks very much. See you later. See you later. If that my heart,